Hi, everyone. Um, on today's podcast, I think you're going to like it. We, uh, we did some different things. First off, two guests at, a sa- at the same time, uh, which was new and I think fun. I had uh, two veterinarians who are also in the Army, and they came on to talk a little bit about their experiences and kind of what happens if you're a veterinarian in the Army. Uh, we had a great discussion. I think there's a lot more that we need to cover, and so uh, we'll probably have both of them uh, back sometime. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Vet Talk. Thank you for joining us. I'm really excited to have with me today Dr. Levi Hoffman and Dr. John Kaufman. Uh, that is not a requirement of being in the military to have a name that rhymes with uh, with Hoffman, I guess, but it's just our luck today. Um, so uh, what I'm really excited about is uh, both of these guys are veterinarians in the military, and so they're going to have a very different perspective, and I asked them to come on so they can share their experiences and their perspective on being a vet in the military. So thank you guys. Welcome. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So I was thinking we could start by maybe um, just giving a little bit of information about how you ended up as a veterinarian in the military. Um, my understanding is there's, there's, you could start as a veterinarian and then join the military later, or you can be in the military and then become a veterinarian. So, um, so why don't we start with you, Levi? Um, tell me about how this happened. So I've got a longer convoluted story. Um, I originally joined the military because I did not get into vet school. So I went through my undergrad, um, always wanted to go to vet school, did not get in after two times, and was literally flipping through the phone book trying to find a job. And I saw recruiting, and I said, this is for me. This is what I've always wanted to do. I can do the one weekend a month during the summer, and I can go back to school. And so I did that, and I ended up meeting my wife, and so decided to go active duty and spent about four years um, as a medic in the Army. And during that time frame, I had a lot of influential people in my life um, that really encouraged me to try for vet school again. And so um, while I was actually deployed, I uh, reapplied to vet school and ended Mm -hmm. up getting into three different vet schools. Um, (laughs) And I couldn't get into any before. Um, Figures. And so I, I got out of the military um, they had a three-year scholarship, um, so I got out and paid for the first year on my own, and then applied for the scholarship the first year, mm-hmm. got in, um, and so they paid for the last three years of school. Which is a huge advantage. It is a huge advantage, um, and came back in as a veterinarian. Yeah, so you kind of came back to veterinary medicine after kind of, you know, getting away from it, and so it sounds like you didn't, like when you went into the military, you thought, this is my career, and you didn't actually think... Yeah that you were going to become a veterinarian at that point. Yeah. So when I went active duty, uh, when I first went in, I wanted to do the one weekend a month during the summer with the intent of going back to vet school. And I actually, when I went active duty, I had given up on vet school. Um, And it was while I was deployed, I worked with a lot of uh, medical doctors and PAs, and I had actually intended on going to PA school or med school. I was studying for the MCAT. Gross. Yeah. It was (laughs) terrible. Um, And the doctor I was with at the time really encouraged me to um, try for vet school again one more time. And so um, on my application, I had no animal handling hours. I had (laughs) no volunteer hours. I had, you know, none of the requirements needed for vet school. All of my letters of recommendation were from either MDs or PAs. 
Um, and so, yeah, I'd kind of given up. And, <laughs> and and really, when I applied, I did not expect to yeah. get into anything. Yeah. It was just more of a cursory. Yeah. But you listened to people who knew better than you did. Yeah, exactly. So that was smart. That was a good choice. Yeah. Nice. So. Excellent. So um, we'll, we'll come back to then when once you became a veterinarian in the military. Um, so, uh, John, tell us how, how it happened for you. Yeah. So I had a slightly different, I guess, path. Um, so my grandfather was in the Marine Corps mm-hmm. um, and became a general. And of course, this is before I was born. And so, you know, a lot of things that he did, I was like, oh, I'm never going to do that. I'm never mm-hmm. going to be that person. And so interesting, fun story, like got into vet school. I've always wanted to be a vet, mm-hmm. a vet since I was nine. Um, and so that was kind of my whole career thing. You know, loved animals, wanted to do that kind of vet thing. So I had a lot of experience, um, contrary. Um, so I applied, got in the second year I applied. Um, and so then I said, you know, the army recruiter came by vet school. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. (laughs) You know, the whole story about my grandfather and I just didn't want to be that person. Little did I know (laughs) I actually was already that person. Um, and so they kind of were like, oh, you can come in and do the military. We'll pay for vet school again, another incentive. Um, and so I kind of stalled, I guess, on the application and applied the second year. So I only got two years paid for. So you were in your first year of vet school when the recruiters came and then in in your second year you applied. Right. Okay. Yep. Cause I, I waited, I was like, oh, should I do this? Should I not do this? And then I said, well, I have, what do I have to lose? It's three years of active duty. I can get out if I didn't like it. And, you know, now here I am, you know, much later saying, okay, I would do it again. Good. So, and, you know, that's kind of how I got there. And I was like, so you were already in vet school now. Right. So you finished vet school Mm -hmm. and then the deal was like, was it the same kind of thing? Like we're going to pay for this, but then. Right. Right. It was the same thing, the scholarship. Yeah. But I just got two years paid for. I right. still owed the same amount of time. Little did I know. <laughs> That's not how it works. Yeah, huh? yeah. So, um, so when you finished vet school, you had not actually been in the military per se, or did you start doing no, like, training I hadn't, in the summers? No, I had Okay, I so did, you had to um, do all of your... You have to do like an active duty yeah. um, training, uh-huh. but I never did it okay. um, because I was with our clinic schedule here yeah. at UF. Um, there was not time, and I just right. was like, oh, I'll just do it when I'm done. So I actually yeah. hadn't been on active duty until I got out of vet school. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and so then, now you're a veterinarian. How how does that change, you know, your role versus like enlisting previously? So um, so Levi, you were in the military and had to do all your military training, not knowing that you were going to become a veterinarian. You obviously ended up in the medic path. Whereas John, you were already a veterinarian. So mm-hmm. I'd like to hear how your experiences like initially in the military were maybe a little different. So Levi, how, like you had like regular military training. Yeah. So I was enlisted, Yeah. Um, which is the like big workforce yeah. of the military. Yeah. So down in the dirt. Um, and so my training was much different. Um, yeah. I think officers have a, a much uh, better lifestyle <laughs> in the military. Um, so it was a lot, a lot more of a challenge getting through that. Yeah. Um, and then certainly what I 
became a veterinarian and graduated vet yeah. school, I had to go back and do the officer training. Okay. And that was uh, much more enjoyable. Yeah. So you got to, you got <laughs> to, experience to experience both, both. though. Yeah. So you then just did officer training because right. because you have an advanced degree, you're automatically, when you, when you join, you're automatically an officer. At what right. Yeah. Rank? So we came, I came in. So when we're in the scholarship, we're kind of inactive ready reserve, okay. which is not active duty. Um, and then when I graduated, I became a captain. Okay. So. Okay. Um, and then, of course, went to officer training, which mm-hmm. is basic officer course and basically teach you how to, who you're supposed to salute, what you're not <laughs> supposed to do, how to march, how to do yeah. all of the basic, yeah. um, I guess, enlisted stuff, but in a very, very crash Condensed, course. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, you don't need to know how to do this, but you kind of need to know how to do it. You need so to know how very, somebody yeah. else has to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that was... Then so then officer training was probably a lot easier for you, Levi, oh, then, because uh, you're like, yep, yep, I know all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. pretty... You're pretty well versed in, yeah. in what all of this yeah, is. Yeah, we, um, we actually relied on a lot of the people that were enlisted or previously in to think, yeah. okay, how do we do this? How do we get our uniform ready? You know, like... <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Um, so you guys, you know, you become officers, um, veterinarians in the military. And now, you know, the military says, this is what we need you to do. But because you have now special training, um, they're going to obviously try to take advantage of, of your, your knowledge and expertise. So, um, tell me a little bit about, um, like what your role has been in the military. Maybe John, you can start. Yeah. So I had a, probably a much different path than, than Levi here. Um, so I did, um, they came out with this new program called the First Year v- Graduate Veterinary Education Program, okay. FIGV. Um, and so now it's required for all new veterinarians to okay. come into the military. They have to go through this program. Um, and it's kind of based out of multiple different bigger bases. So, you know, Colorado, Carson, Belvoir, and Virginia. Um, and what the idea is, is that they come out and they get basically kind of an internship, mm-hmm. but not as far as like an academic internship or a private practice where you're like, okay, you know, mentored really heavily on clinical stuff. It's more of a, you know, okay, kind of easy mode into army. Like how do you become a veterinarian in the army? Right, right. So you have some more experienced person, major, um, kind of as a consultant for clinical cases, Mm -hmm. or if you have any question about, you know, how to deal with army things, Mm -hmm. you can ask them. Um, and so I did that. So mm-hmm. I did that at Belvoir um, and stayed there for about a year. It's about, you know, give or take a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then was asked to stay and became the branch chief at Belvoir, which is kind of a position where you've got leadership role mm-hmm. and you have people underneath you, but you're responsible for multiple different installations. And I guess the big kind of role that we play in the military is the clinical mission, of course, as a mm-hmm. veterinarian, taking care of animals and whether that's military working dogs or the privately owned animals. Right. And then the other other two big parts of the mission is the food mission. Yep. So safeguarding the, the DOD from intentional poisoning um, or just food just safety. general food safety, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the last public health, you know, right. so rabies and that kind of thing. Um, so that was my role as branch chief. I had to manage those three big pillars, um, as well as a couple of people that were underneath me, but Mm -hmm. still part of the um, FIGV program. Are the people underneath you also veterinarians, or they could be just... Some of them. Okay. Um, And then we have other, you know, other soldiers that work for us that are not. Gotcha. Um, 
so and then I left there, went to Guam for three years, uh-huh. where is in the middle of the Pacific, where my job kind of was similar, but it was much more food heavy and yeah. travel heavy. Yeah. Um, so I did basically the same job there, mm-hmm. branch chief like position, um, and then of course wanted to have this idea of going to a surgery residency um, and come back to UF. So everyone said, well, you have to go to Korea because if you go to Korea, you get an Obviously. L- you get an LTET <laughs> position, which is long-term health education. Okay. And so this is another What's, program. Why is that like unique to Korea? Because nobody wants to go to Korea. Oh, okay. So it's like it's yeah. like a deal. Yeah. yeah it's okay. kind of an okay. un- unspoken I deal. I see. Okay. Although if you do this for us, then eventually. I say that, though. No, but it, anyways, it's spoken now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I went there thinking that my job was going to be one job. Well, as soon as I landed there, I realized that, okay, I don't have a boss, really. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually have two different bosses that are working for two different units, and I'm in the middle, and I'm supposed to be the veterinarian for Korea, but yet there's other people that are veterinarians for Korea, and so it was a very tough position. Um, But anyways, I obviously survived, learned a lot of things, and then came to here to do a residency. So that... that deal worked at least kind of I guess um <laughs> now I, I want to go back when you went to Guam was that you saying hey this is something I want to do or did they they're like this is where you are going so I had this idea that um uh, a friend of mine worked for the general general poppy and I was like oh that's a cool job I should do that job yeah well you know I kind of knew it was like uh you know traveling around yeah. scheduling basically being the aide mm-hmm. so I was gonna do that um and then little do I know I wanted to go to Germany or Hawaii or Japan, which is Hawaii. like my top three, which I don't think anyone <laughs> yeah. would disagree. Yeah. So they called me up and were like, um, so we've picked somebody that was in Guam for this general position. Um, and so I was like, oh, I know that, you know, that person. So I know who got picked. And they're like, oh, yeah, they're in Guam. So um, we kind of need to fill that role. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's kind of like Hawaii. So <laughs> we're sending you there. How, how do you think? And gotcha. I was like, well, do I have a choice? And they're like, not really. But we want but you we're to going think anyway. you did. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to be nice about it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's how I got Got it. Okay. Cool. So, yeah, because that's, I think that's one of the things that we civilians, like, are interested in. You know, like, uh, how exactly does that work? Because my understanding is, ultimately, you don't have a choice, right, in these in these decisions. Um, yeah. They try to take your preferences into consideration as much as possible. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe. Sort of. Yeah. Um, maybe in the best case scenario. Um, but ultimately, yeah. Yeah, we, we really don't. I mean, don't have some. I mean, of you a had some list. choice as far as like going back to do a residency was your choice, right? You know, so I mean, they they do sound like, hey, you want to advance, you want to do things, and, and they're supporting you through that. But I don't know if we can even say it's like a quid pro quo situation, but it sounds like a little bit of that too. Um, I mean, I think on the retention side, they have to kind right. of right. Yeah, if they want you to stick you around. Bit, That's fair. Yeah. Um, okay, so Levi, you have. Um, you know, again, a different a different path than John did. So you had um, your military service before you ever became a veterinarian, but tell us a little bit about after you graduated from vet school, kind of what was your role? Yeah, so um, John was talking about the internship program. That was the, I came in and that was the last year was optional. And so oh, I okay. chose not to do it. I figured oh, okay. I had enough okay. military experience yeah. that I don't need to Makes go sense. do this. Um, so they actually made me rank every single duty station that was available that oh. year on a list, and there was 27 It was like them. your own little match yeah. program. <laughs> um, so 20 th- uh, no, 24 of those were kind of doing the branch chief position like uh-huh. John did, um, and three of them were deployable units. And so I ranked 
all of them. I had to rank all of them, and I put all three deployable units at the very bottom. So I had 27 <laughs> I on my going. list, and I got number 27 out of 27. Oh, my goodness. So. Now, it's not because it's not really a match, because it's not like there were 27 other veterinarians that were doing this, right? Or is it just like... It's more of just like, who's available to move when, yeah. and where can we put people? Gotcha. And I think they looked at my background and said, this person has a lot of military yeah. experience already. We can put them Which in a deployable unit. Which is different from a lot of the veterinarians. Know, gotcha. And they will succeed in that... Um, um, so typically they try not to put people in those deployable units as a first duty station. Just right. It's more of a sink or swim yeah. situation. So your seniority kind of in some ways didn't, yeah. didn't help in that case. Yeah. <laughs> because so. correct me if I'm wrong, but my, is, is it that the majority of veterinarians in the army are all of the um, military veterinarians army? Yes. Uh, none of the other branches is, have so veterinarians. The Air Force will take veterinarians, but they're public health officers. Gotcha. So okay. Okay. It's a little like bit a, different. Yeah. They don't um, do any veterinary, not, true not veterinary Gotcha. Work. Okay. Um, so it'd be like if, yeah, a veterinarian went into the public health sector in general. Yeah. Um, so you are a veterinarian, but not really working classically as that. But so the majority of veterinarians in the Army um, were veterinarians, got recruited at some point, either during vet school or after not as many did what you did, which were, you were military right, and right. then yeah. went. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they were like, let's take advantage. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So where did you end up then? So I ended up Number at Fort Benning, Georgia, um, oh, which okay. is not terrible. And it ended up being one of the like best duty stations that I've had. Um, but that's based more off of the people yeah. that are there and not so much the mission. So my mission was, um, I was with a deployable unit, and our job is to always be ready to deploy whenever they need us to, to wherever. And so we maintained basically the same three pillars that Jonathan already mentioned, but we everything was deployable, so right. it was all mobile. We had a mobile clinic. Um, we had um, a veterinary technician that I managed, mm -hmm. and then um, five food inspectors okay. that I managed with all of their equipment as well. And so our job was to be ready to go into any theater, um, and do our job there. Wow. Um, and so, but it would be like you and your whole team yeah. going, okay. So they can send us as a team. So uh -huh. seven people as a okay. team, or they could choose to send the entire unit, which there's five teams plus a specialty hospital that would all deploy. Gotcha. It just depends on, you know, what they need right. in that theater. Um, and so I spent a lot of time managing equipment and yeah. doing field exercises yeah. and, um, not a lot of veterinary work. Gotcha. So, so give me like a percentage each of you. So in in that role, like what percentage of your time was actually direct animal work? Whether that like so <laughs> roughly, you know, um, um, I can count on one hand. Okay. During yeah. that time frame, I had oh, I think wow. five clinic days. Okay. Um, Over what time frame was that? Uh, about two years. Okay. So not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. So I did a lot of. Studying on my own. Gotcha. Okay. And then for you, John. Like yeah, mine was pretty much the opposite. Okay. So I had oh, wow. a majority of clinical days, uh, depending on the position. So, yeah. you know, when I was in Guam, I had two real positions in Guam where I was the branch chief on one, which is a majority of the time. And then I was also, we called the clinic OIC. So yeah. there was a guy that was senior to me. Mm -hmm. He was managing the branch chief. So for a year, mm -hmm. I basically did clinics every day. Gotcha. Um, and so... I had a lot more clinical and was clinics, management of uh, a clinic experience. Gotcha. Was clinics for you working dogs or was it a private, um, 
private pets? I would say probably depends on the location, mm-hmm. but most of the time it was privately owned dogs. Okay. And then occasionally, of course, you're kind of on call. And sure. if they need anything, of course, they just kind but of like walk in. But when you say I'm on, you're on clinic duty, then it's yeah. primarily, is it like appointments and things like this? Just doing yeah, it's the well, same as kind of yeah, like a, a general, you know, practice. general practice gotcha. that's seeing, you know, wellness, preventative preventive appointments for, you know, dogs. Because I don't think we think about that, like people being deployed and sometimes their families are with them and like, yeah, also their pets or they get pets wherever they're stationed. And yeah. And a lot of, a lot of the time was preparing them for what we call PCSing where we're permanently changing stations. So we're leaving that duty station. I don't think that makes sense because it doesn't sound like the military ever permanently does anything. PCS. True. I like um, it. So we had to bring in the acronyms in. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So. Yes. Uh, you guys have been doing a good job of, yeah. of so explaining So a lot of the time, we would be preparing them mm-hmm. health certificates and things to get their dogs and cats and things to move. So, you know, health certificates and things yeah. like that would be a lot of our time. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about the food inspection because, you know, in vet school, that's we don't spend a whole lot of time. Maybe more if you had like a food animal track and you were going to... We talked a little bit about it, but... I'm. I'm guessing you had to learn a lot of that either on the fly or in the military got some specific training for that. So I don't know, maybe Levi, did you do more of that? Um, I actually did not. You didn't? I I have not done much of it. Um, Again, so the deployment side, you're preparing to do a lot of that. So you're not actually going out and doing doing a lot of food inspection. So you're preparing that. Did you ever get deployed um, when you were at at the Georgia? uh, No, not as a vet. Okay. So we sent a small team to the um, Ebola crisis yeah, okay. um, for the food inspection gotcha. um, there in uh, the three countries that were, gotcha. um, we were supporting there, um, but no. So a lot of time preparing to deploy, but didn't deploy. And again, yeah. I know you had yep. before, but after yeah. after you were a veterinarian. And that, so what kind of food inspection were you doing? Yeah, so I did a lot of food inspection, um, specifically in Guam was probably uh-huh. the biggest one. Yeah. Uh, we also have, so we have a couple of different kind of people, you know, we have our veterinarians, um, and Levi mentioned, you know, a, an animal tech. So these are our, like, technicians that we think of in private practice. Yeah. Um, and then we also have food inspectors, which mm-hmm. are enlisted personnel that go out and look at food, right? And so what are they looking for? Dates, expirations, time, you know, does it look like mold, you know? Um, and so they're doing that on a daily basis. We also have another type of officer called a warrant officer. Mm-hmm. They're specialty training in food safety, okay. food um, food defense, right? So in a lot of the big units in the TDA, which is the clinical garrison base, uh, you know, don't deploy okay. um, kind of missions, there's a warrant officer mm-hmm. or two. Um, so in Guam, I had a very senior warrant officer and I had a very junior warrant officer. Okay. The senior guy uh, obviously was not, I was not in charge of. He worked for our commander, which is the boss, basically. Um, And then I had another warrant officer that worked for me. Okay. So the warrant officer's job is specially in food safety. Okay. And so a lot of our training, or my training in Guam, was learning from him. Got it. So, you know, we would go out and act as, there's a couple of different missions, but the main one that officers would do is go out and veterinarians and act as like the FDA. Yeah. For any facility, f- 
factory that's producing food for the military. Right. So anything that's sold on base has to be approved. Right. So you and you can't produce all of it yourself. Yeah. So you're, and you're you can't bring it all in from you know right. the U.S. So obviously a lot of it has to be locally. Yeah. So we have these uh, approved sources yeah. where we've gone out and done an audit mm-hmm. and spent a day, sometimes yeah. two days, depending on how big the facility is, where we analyze their records, their, you know, good manufacturing yeah. practices, you know, their personnel hygiene, mm-hmm. training, you know, are they safeguarding their faculty from yeah. intentional contamination? And so a lot of this training was based off of just going out and doing it with somebody who's yeah. more experienced. But like probably very similar guidelines to what the FDA would do. Yeah, in we US. follow yeah. the Code of Federal gotcha. Regulations. And, Makes sense. you know, there's a, you know, one of the big things is, okay, you got to go out to a dairy in the Philippines and uh, I don't have any idea what's going on in this dairy because there's pipes everywhere and pasteurization was not something that we learned in school. No. And so you have to follow each pipe or, you know, around and just like, okay, where, so what, where does this, this go? Going? How does this go? What, what temperature, you know? And so a lot of it's on the fly, on yeah. the job training. Um, I had the best time doing that because yeah. I got to travel to, you know, 14 different countries, yeah. all paid hotels, you know, and (laughs) food. And of course they want you to come because they want to have their company sell to the military. This is like kind of a marketing thing thing. to them as well. Um, And so we both benefit. It's it's kind of, you have a good factory, good producing good food. And so we want to buy it. Yeah, You do a good job. And yeah. So my experience was awesome traveling around and doing this food, food audits. We call them sanitation audits. Yeah. Um, doing that but that's only a, like just a piece of the food defense sure sure so in the little bit uh time we have here um i think what a lot of people would be curious to know either you know somebody who is thinking about going to vet school in vet school or maybe even somebody who's in the military but what maybe each of you can give me your thoughts on like what are your thoughts on you know i know you guys have both kind of said you would do things again but like what advice would you give to somebody who was considering uh, as a veterinarian, a career in the military, or somebody in the military who is considering maybe a career in the military as a veterinarian, uh, a switch, like pros and cons, like what, you know, what are your thoughts and what maybe advice would you have? Levi, why don't you? It's a big question, I know. Um, but, you know, it's just... It's I think it's like any other job. It's what mm-hmm. you make of it. Okay. Um, so I have really enjoyed my time because mm-hmm. I have tried to make the best of it wherever I was at. I got the last on my list. Yeah. Um, but like I said, it ended it up being one of the best places. Yeah. Um, and through that, I was able to get a, a, you know, a number of opportunities, one of them being working with special operations for three years, which you oh. get a lot of opportunities to do a lot of fun things there. Um, and ended up with a residency, which I've always yeah. wanted. And yeah. so you, you just make the best of it. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of opportunities out there to do a lot of traveling, to do a lot of Yeah, because um, now you specialty. just mentioned special operations, and I'm like, well, I don't know what that is. So <laughs> I feel like we could have hours and hours yeah. of conversation um, um, learning but, about this stuff. But there is so many opportunities for yeah. you to take advantage of, where it's traveling around, it's duty yeah. stations, it's... Um, all the fun guy stuff. It is residencies. There's, you know, a numerous specialties. I think that you that's can what is so um, 
surprising, I think, because um, you and I had talked, Levi, before, um, but a lot of people don't know, I, I was actually very close um, to ending up in the military when I was in high school. Um, I almost went to West Point um, for undergrad, um, and I talked with a veterinarian on the base there, and uh, at the time, you know, she was telling me a little bit about her job and that a lot of it is food inspection and this and that, and I was like, I don't know if that's the kind of veterinarian I want to be. I was also 17 at the time, and, you know, I didn't know anything, but... Um, but I had a very different kind of idea, and and also things have changed a lot, I guess, in that time because it's been a, it's been a while. But um, I think that it's it's really important for people to know like how varied the opportunities are. Um, again, the military has the final say, but um, but you guys you know have done a lot of different things. But uh, yeah. um, John, so what what is your yeah? I mean, I words of I think I totally agree with Levi saying mm-hmm. you know it's it's what you make out of it. You know, I rent initially didn't want to join the military. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I want to be a veterinarian. I wanted, you know, GP, and that was it. And I, I knew that when I graduated vet school, I wanted to do surgery. But I figured, oh, I can just do surgery and GP. So I joined the military and kind of, okay, I can I can see myself doing this. So, you know, we have to stay in for three years because that was the contract. And so my three years are up, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not even thinking about leaving because... Yeah. In those three years, I had gone places, traveled yeah. places, did things that I just never thought I would do. Um, and I had that same thought of, oh, I don't want to do food inspection. Yeah. Like, I want to be a veterinarian. I want to treat animals yeah. and yeah. heal and do that kind of thing. And I think at this point in my time, I miss that food inspection. Oh, wow. I miss that management. Cool. I miss that, like, you know, having a team of soldiers and people that you're yeah. responsible for and just you know, going out and doing food inspection, I miss that. It's fun. Yeah. I don't know. No way. Did yeah. you ever think you would have said that, <laughs> no, right? Yeah. never, never yeah. thought. So your family, of course, so you have the military background. Yeah. Your grandfather was big in the military, and you were like, not going to do it, not going to do it. So, like, do you get a lot of I told you so's, or is there? <laughs> well, my mom wasn't excited about ah, me doing yeah, it. Classic uh, mom. Yeah. And my grandmother, even less. Um, <laughs> but my dad was like, you know, we talked about it. I was like, Dad, I think this is, like, a good opportunity. Yeah. If my dad was in the Air Force for a few years. And so, of yeah. course, that's my grandfather's son is right. my dad, right, okay. on his side. So it just made sense. He was like, yeah, I could see you doing this. And, you know, when I look back at myself now and, you know, my mom keeps telling me I'm my grandfather. I am, I am spitting image of him. Yeah. So, yeah, um, no, it's, um, it's kind of funny, you know, how much some of those things change, but I imagine, yeah, your family's, you know, influence in that background without even knowing it, what effect that's going to have. But I think what's really telling for me, um, is that is, is your, contract your time up or do you still owe time or how does how does that work so because you're still in john even yeah. though you don't have to be Correct, although doing the residency i don't know how that changes your your yeah it extends our time that we're gotcha. required in it's yeah. called an ad so yeah okay um, but you did that knowing that and then voluntarily yeah. yeah so same thing for you yeah so i did my three years and mm-hmm. then i signed up for a they can give you a retention bonus mm-hmm. so you say i'm going to stay on for another three years mm-hmm. and they'll give you x number of dollars yeah. per year to stay in for those three years and then I did that and then I signed up for uh, this residency yeah. so I owe them four years after this residency gotcha. and so that'll take me almost out to retirement so yeah. I have three years so after I finish my residency I'll have seven years till I can retire you retire from the military but you the military. can then yeah do whatever, do whatever want. you want at that point so and is that that sounds like that's the plan yes yeah <laughs> and then say okay I'm gonna do whatever I want yeah. so because um, you're still plenty young enough to then what's the how's the retirement work what is it is it 20 years 
So at 20 years, you can retire with 50% of your base pay. Okay. And that's gotcha. every month, and you get health care or benefits yeah. and um, some other benefits. Bad. That's so not bad. And yeah, 20 years to retire. Yeah, rest, that's yeah, pretty yeah, great. Every month. So and if you stay longer, so if you do 30 years, it's 75%. Gotcha. And if you stay for 40 years, then you get 100% of your pay Yeah. every month. That's, yeah. that's not I mean, bad. I'll have a little bit more time when I'm finished. Yeah. I think I'm at 10 years, rougher now. Yeah. Um, and so I'll owe another four, so I'll be at 14. So I'll have six uh, six additional years on top of that. Before you can retire. With can retire. But again, still with time but to then right. continue I'll be, your I'll career. Be 40, I'll be 47 when I'm retired. Yeah, same here. Forty-seven cool. with doing whatever and, I want to do, and yeah. without the student loans that I am still paying, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll be paying my well, student loans after I retire. HPLRP. HPLRP. Yeah. What's HPLRP? Oh, okay. You're yeah, throwing yeah, the acronyms out. Yeah. What is that? So while you're HPLRP. active duty, so you can come in if you don't do the scholarship, you can actually come in and do a direct accession. Well, they will pay for um, up to one hundred twenty thousand dollars of your loans if you give them three years. And then once you've already paid back your initial mm-hmm. um, ads or your time that uh-huh. you had to, and if you still owe on your loans, you can sign up for additional years and they'll pay off an extra $40,000 a year. Yeah, I think it's $40,000. So that's like taxable. basically a salary. It's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's additional taxable, salary. but I think yeah. you end up getting like 33000 yeah, for oh. each year, but which is I might have to think about that. Yeah. Um, that first hundred and twenty wouldn't wouldn't quite cover it, but it would take a big dent out of it. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a huge thing too. It's just the financial benefit of oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's I, I mean, tough. I came in for a couple of reasons. One was the financial yeah. benefit. I mean, they have to offer some kind of financial benefit yeah. to us. But that's huge. As it a kind as of is. A, as speaking a from somebody who has yeah. that debt, like yeah. that's that's big. Yeah. I probably made some poor choices. Fin- oh, I mean. As a vet, it's already a poor financial choice. But in the, the military, it's maybe not such a poor financial choice. Yeah, I think I had less than $20,000 in loans yeah. when I came in, and that was for my first year. That's not And bad. those were paid off pretty quick. That's not yeah. bad. Um, so. Yeah, I missed out on the HPLRP, like the loan repayment. Yeah. Uh, it went away for a couple of years, so yeah. I had a little bit more yeah. loan debt, but half of what people graduate. Yeah, yeah. Right. and if you're really strategic about it, you can you can make sure it's right. a lot less. So, right. yeah. um, Well, very cool. Um I, there's like, I feel so much more that we could talk about and a lot of stories I bet you guys could share. So maybe I can convince you guys to come back some other time. But uh, uh, for today, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you both for your service. Yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening to today's show. I'd like to thank my producer, Topher. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter or Instagram at Vet Journal Club. All episodes are available at veterinaryjournalclub.fireside.fm. You can email us with questions, comments, or show ideas at veterinaryjournalclub at gmail.com. And check back weekly for new episodes, and we'll catch you next time.